This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Okay, welcome to it. Today we're going to spend a lot of time on the program. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where and when you're listening. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about the Dallas Calgary trade. Chris Tandev, now a member of the Dallas Stars. And a couple of things fall from this. Uh, How does the market react? Uh, Have the prices for defensemen now been firmly established? And where do we go from here? Speaking of defensemen, no Eric Johnson at Buffalo Sabres practice. Are they holding him out, waiting for a trade? It's that time of year, folks. Um, so we'll talk plenty about Chris Tanov uh, and Artem Grushnikov, who I think Calgary Flames fans are going to really like. Uh, more on him coming up in a couple of moments. Craig Conroy, Calgary Flames general manager, will stop by at the bottom of the first hour here. Elliot Friedman, who was at the uh, the Maple Leafs Arizona Coyotes skates this morning. Uh, he gets bumped to 1 o'clock so he can um, talk to people, see the skates, do the Elliot Friedman thing. Uh, so he's going to be joining me in an hour's time. Brian Ray of the Dallas Stars broadcast crew will stop by. We'll get this from the Dallas point of view as well. And Eric Francis stops by here in a couple of moments. By the way, as I was mentioning on TV last night, um, I don't think the Dallas Stars are done. I don't think this is a situation where Jim Nill got, you know, he got his number one target. Make no mistake about it. Chris Tanev was the number one target for the Dallas Stars. I still believe Dallas wants to make at least one, maybe two more moves. I think the most pressing is another defenseman. Look, Jim Nill understands that if you're going to have a deep run and Dallas is expected to have a deep run, they believe they can win the Stanley Cup, and why not? Uh, That you need more defensemen. And they already have on their back end agility and mobility, and I think now they're looking for some hostility back there. Uh, They have the workhorse now in Chris Tanev. Don't be surprised if they're going after players that are a little snarly and a little grouchy. So maybe it's a Nick Sealer from the Philadelphia Flyers. Maybe it's a Leah Labushkin from the Anaheim Ducks. I think that's the. those are a couple of the keys that we're looking at here for Dallas uh, leading up to the trade deadline next Friday, where we hope there'll be plenty of players available. Otherwise, you're going to watch me and Elliot spin plates and do card tricks. I'll learn a couple of new ones for you coming up for next Friday. Uh, Meanwhile, for the uh, Calgary Flames, first of all, you have to be impressed at how this team has played. I mean, the the trading season really began last year with Craig Conroy sending Tyler Toffoli to the New Jersey Devils for Yegor Sharangovich, and then everything has fallen since then. Nikita Zadorov, etc., Lindholm, and now Tanev. But through all of it, this team continues to play Hard, And I understand that there's only a certain point past which you just don't have the horses. You just don't have the bodies. It's not there, there. You can only go on, you know, on, on gumption and hard work for so long. There needs to be some talent along the way. And since the Nashville Predators seem pretty determined that they're not going to lose anymore, uh, getting a wild card spot is tough. Although L.A. may open a door for you or maybe even just open a side window that you can slip in that wild card spot in the in the Western Conference. Uh, talk to Eric Francis in a couple of moments. Again, Craig Conway, Flames general manager, coming up at the bottom of the hour. A couple of things we're keeping our eyes on. You know, Frank Saravelli yesterday from Daily Faceoff reported about discussions uh, between Elias Pettersson's group and management of the Vancouver Canucks on a uh, new contract. Uh, we'll see where that one goes. Uh, all I can say about it last night, everybody got really quiet. Like whenever a deal is about to happen or everybody sort of gets a whiff of something is going down or there's a conversation or there's a trade call in progress. 
everyone gets their phones out and makes the calls and sends the texts. Everything around this last night was really, really quiet, which uh, would lead you to believe that there is more than something to it. Where does it go? I don't know. Uh, are we expecting something today, one way or another? Again, I don't know. This is a bizarre one. Um, maybe it'll be simple when it all comes out and it'll be obvious, but we'll see which which direction this story goes. Well, one of the things we'll talk to Elliot about coming up uh, in an hour's time on the program. Uh, a couple of things that I um, uh, mentioned yesterday on, on television on the St. Louis Edmonton pregame and the first intermission. Um, Nashville Predators continue to be one of the most intriguing teams now. Um, they refuse to lose. <laughs> they're, they're, they're convinced that uh, they have a playoff-ready team and they can compete. Having said that, I don't think that Barry Trotz is taking his eyes off the bigger picture here, but as long as the Nashville Predators are in playoff position, UC Saros is going nowhere. Unless, here's the big caveat here, unless the Nashville Predators get an offer that includes young elite-level, first-line scorer. Okay, so we're talking like a Quentin Byfield-type player, maybe a Trevor Zegras, like one of these types of players. Young, dynamic, offensive, that is what Nashville is looking for. But as long as they're in a playoff spot, Saros is going nowhere. Like, trust me, we did this dance with Saros last year at trade deadline where everybody was convinced that he was going to the Los Angeles Kings. And for good reason. Those conversations were being had, and there was a chance that UC Sarwis was going to the Los Angeles Kings last year. This year, as long as the Preds are in that wild card spot, I don't think there's going to be a lot of noise around UC Saros. Um, Barry Trotz was on Nashville Radio earlier this week mentioning there's a couple of other times you can do something with Saros, and we take that to mean, one, the draft, and two, July 1st. So we'll see where that one goes. But also, we should throw in, now, this is a team that has a lot of cap space, namely $8 million at trade deadline. Uh, they're only too happy to weaponize that cap space um, to pick up a player, a prospect, a pick, whatever it is. Uh, the National Predators are open for business, able to help teams. They will not let players as well walk away for nothing. So attention to Tommy Novechkin, as they call him, Tommy Novak, or Alexander Carrier as well. Uh, look for those two uh, to be on the move if there are no extensions there with the defensemen. Um, uh, Spencer Stastny is someone who's ready for the jump full-time in the NHL. He plays in Milwaukee AHL. Don't be surprised if that's what happens there with Nashville, but that is a very intriguing team. Uh, as are the Calgary Flames and Craig Conway, who joins me at the bottom of the hour, very much open for business and not even close to being finished doing business. Eric Francis knows that. He's been following this story since it all began. And Eric, I was sort of positioning the uh, uh, the trade season for the Calgary Flames going all the way back to the Toffoli Sharangovich deal. Uh, <laughs> Um, before we get to what happened last night with, with Tanev, has that been the, the posture from Craig Conroy all along here? We know what we have to do. We're just going to take our time in doing it. Yeah, I think I think patience has been his virtue throughout his tenure here, which is why it was a little surprising that last night was the night that the deal came down. You know, it's a big weekend for mm-hmm. the Calgary Flames with Mika Kiprasov's number being retired. And I, I know he didn't want to overshadow that in any way, but hey, Business yeah. comes first, and 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 when the right deal is there, you you strike. And I think the reaction in this city is, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are underwhelmed by the return. But uh, for all those who could be all up in arms over over the merits of a of an Artem Grushnikov, who none of them have ever seen, 
Um, and, you know, I remind everyone who criticized them after the Sharon Govich trade that that worked out all right eventually. <laughs> and, 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 and same true. with the Nikita Zador. I think, Jeff, I think in almost every market, the initial reaction 80% of the time is negativity. We want more because players get hyped up and yeah. they're led to believe they're going to get, you know, a, a, a king's ransom for everybody. You know, Nikita Zadorov got traded for a third and a fifth rounder, which I think is a great haul for a, a fifth defenseman, maybe a sixth defenseman. And everybody went nuts and said it was no good because they should have got a first rounder. So, yes, they were holding out for a first rounder here in Calgary. There's no question about that. Uh, a bunch of teams were offering a second rounder, but it was the player, the the prospect, this Artem Grushnikov that they got that put this deal over the top. Ironically, that's what's got everybody so up in arms here in Calgary. Uh, but, uh, you know, yeah. time will tell as to whether or not he was the guy, the right guy to target. You know, just as an aside, because you're, you're, you're sort of winking at a really interesting discussion point here, Eric. Uh, just as, <laughs> as a quick aside, I am still a little bit surprised that, you know, there's been a salary cap in the NHL going back to the lockout of 204-05, and yet fans, like, I get it, because you want to see the toy, you want to see the thing, I get it. You know, the idea of nothing actually being something is, is a baffling concept, but... Do we not all understand that by now, even if you're not going to use it to bring in a player you can use, but rather you can weaponize it, have people not wrapped their heads around the idea that cap space is a thing and cap space is sometimes yeah. as valuable or more valuable in some cases than a player? Still doesn't seem like yeah. we're there yet in hockey with people understanding that. Yeah, I, I, I think that's well put. I, I think people understand that it's important. But it's uh, it's a very empty uh, it's empty and in, in, in society today <laughs> where everybody wants everything right yeah. now, uh, you know it doesn't really show you any immediate return. But uh, you know I think that a little he, listen, go ahead. Sorry. No, I, I, if this, please finish your thought. I was going to make up a, a point about Grushnikov in a second, but please finish your point. No, I, I was just going to say that. That, that that's true. But the Calgary Flames have. Have always have had a little wiggle room ever since they traded Zadorov uh, to make some some new moves that they really wanted to. Listen, some of the guys they were calling up from the minors this year they couldn't have done so uh, had they not mm -hmm. created some space with you know with the Zadorov trade. So it, it it is very important and it's it's something that can't go you know it, it can't be overstated. Let me um let me share a couple of things about Krushnikov because I've I've watched him play when he was with uh, with Hamilton this year of course playing in the American Hockey League with the Texas Stars. Um, he's big, he's nasty, he's the uh, the proverbial last guy on the ice after practice, the first guy in the gym. Uh, Jay McKee, who was his coach with uh, with Hamilton in the OHL, absolutely adored this guy. Uh, I exchanged texts with uh, with Jay last night about him, and he's like thrilled that he's that he's going to the to the Calgary market where they value these types of players. Like he's a really big. First, first of all, he's not a one-two. Like he, he's not stepping in and like, wow, look, we found Kale McCarr or Adam Fox. Wow, this is amazing. Oh, sorry, I shouldn't say Adam Fox. Well, we found a one-two here. <laughs> um, but he's, uh, I don't know, it just jumped to my mind. They're like, oh, hang on, I'm talking about Calgary. It's a d Bad dummy choice. up on the Adam Fox talk. Bad choice, Merrick. Bad host, bad host, bad host. Um, but he's like, yeah. as, as one person said to me last night, he has some goodness in him. And, and that's true. Like, he's a nasty bit of business, hard to play against. And, and I do wonder, 
as Craig Conroy, you know, sort of redoes this team and prepares the next wave of what the Calgary Flames are going to look like, like these are the kinds of guys that are going to be important for this team in Calgary. Like, let's not forget here, like the the team up the street here, the Edmonton Oilers, those games hurt. Those games leave bruises. And the more players like Grushnikov, who's still going to take some time in the minors, um, the more players like that you have, the better. Exactly. And and every single defensive group can't just be guys who get 40 to 50 to 60 points a year. You've got to have guys who play roles. And Listen, I have not seen Grushnikov play. I know everybody who's got an opinion on him right now has not seen him play either, other than people like you who have seen him play. Um, But this is a guy who they they see being the same mold as Chris Tanev. I I know he's, you know, different size and different attributes. Different player, different player. Different player, but at the end of the day, a defensive stalwart, a guy who you know is going to be sound in his own zone, a guy who kills penalties. But I think that what they really were attracted to with him as well as that was his character. You know, this is a kid. There have been some stories uh, about him, you know, coming. He's a Russian kid, obviously, you know, a kid who yep. drove a taxi when he was a teenager to help make money for his family, a kid who's, you know, stayed yep. here over the last couple of years. He doesn't want to go back to Russia and risk the possibility of being conscripted for the war against Ukraine. There are a lot of things about this kid that show that he'll do anything it takes to get to the National Hockey League. And mm-hmm. you'll hear Craig say that in about 20 minutes time when you have him on. Uh, it's the character. And this is a team right now that's still in a playoff race based on the character in that dressing room. I really believe that. It's not a team with a ton of skill right now. It's a team with a ton of character. And mm-hmm. so they want to add guys like that. And they want to add guys who want to be here. That's obviously the biggest problem in this market is guys, you know, over the years have decided they there are greener pastures. Not that they don't like it in Calgary. It's just that they see the sunnier skies of Florida, yeah. the tax-free states like Florida as a, as a, as a better place sure. to be long-term and, and a chance to win. Like I just got off the phone with Chris Tanev and this was his, uh, this is what he wanted. He, it wasn't like he was rejecting Calgary. What he wanted to do was chase the Stanley Cup because he feels like this might be one of the last chances he gets to do so. So you can't blame a guy for wanting to win mm. a cup and, and realizing you're not going to do it here. Um, so the next order of business for Craig Conroy is now um, Noah Hannafin, and that is not going to be an easy deal to make. The price for this one, is, as you well know, is is sky high. It's essentially two first-round picks plus. I mean, it's not that different than the Claude Giroux deal, not that much different than what the Pittsburgh Penguins are asking for Jake Gensel. But if you're going to get a premium player, you're going to pay a premium price. Um, I, I do wonder, now that the market in some sense has been set with the Chris Tanev deal. Uh, I, I do wonder if we start to see now a run on defensemen where, you know, whether it's, you know, Vancouver or Toronto or Boston or whomever say, okay, you know what? W- one player is off the board here. One piece is gone. Yep. Uh, you know, we don't want to be left, you know, standing when, uh, when the music stops and we're not sitting in a chair. Do you think this begins a sort of rush on defensemen now? Yeah, it sure, it sure could. I mean, we know that there are some significant ones going here. And, you know, if you're in the West and you know you've got to try and go through a team like Dallas, you're looking at that blue line right now in Dallas, and you're thinking, oh, my God. Like, I'm not sure there's a, a yeah. better one in the league. Like, it's, it's up there with any of them. And so if you want to try and beat that team, you've got to rival them with the same sort of artillery. So Noah Hanneman could be that answer. But, you know, it's funny. You mentioned, Jeff, that, you know, two first-rounders in exchange for Hannafin, like, you know, I, I don't believe that they're going to get that. I think the ask is more along the line of one first rounder, a top prospect, 
and a serviceable player that can jump into the lineup right away. Either way, we're splitting hairs, but mm -hmm. it's funny because that's the sort of talk as people exchange ideas and, and, and what we believe they want yeah. that just heightens expectations and almost sets any team up to fail when they do make the trade and they don't get exactly what somebody heard on a podcast or a radio show. And I'm not suggesting you're wrong. I'm just saying, <laughs> isn't that funny? Isn't that funny the way, no, yeah. you know what I mean? It, it's, the, it's the way it works right now. Uh, you know, I, I don't yeah. often look at, at, at comments on Twitter, um, but after a trade, often I will, just because you just want to get a barometer for what people are saying. And I see people there talking about yeah. how they 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 had heard that that Tanner was worth two first rounders, you know, like which is just nonsensical. But but it gets out there, yeah. and it sets people's agenda, and it's it's a hard thing for a GM to follow. And you you'll hear Craig talk about that. Yeah, we'll get into that coming up at the uh, at the bottom of the hour. Outside of the, of the Calgary Flames, which is the most? Well, let's put it this way: which is the team most impacted by not? getting Chris Tanev. Look, we all know about Toronto and that pursuit. Um, we know about the Vancouver Canucks and that potential return. Um, you know, Dallas has been in there uh, for a while on Chris Tanev. That was their number one targets. Um, who do you think's impacted the most around the NHL by not getting Chris Tanev? Yeah, you know, I, I think the Leafs knew that they weren't going to get him. I, I just think there are too many obstacles in the way, you know, in terms of assets yeah. that they were willing to part with. And also there's there's a little bit of history there between the two organizations. So I, I think that they knew they weren't going to get him, but I think it hurts Brad Trilliving last night to hear the news that it's official, he's not going to get him. And it does put even more pressure on yeah. him to go out and try to find somebody else to shore up that blue line. So I would say that it affects the Toronto Maple Leafs the most, yes, Vancouver uh, would probably be second on my list. I think the Edmonton Oilers would love to have had Chris Tanev, and uh, I'm not sure how serious they would have been about making a run at him. And I asked Craig last night about that, you know, like, you know, would you consider trading with the Toronto Maple Leafs or the Edmonton Oilers? And he said, hey, listen, I've made trades with the Vancouver Canucks. Like, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I want the best deal possible. And that's another reminder I'll just throw out there for anybody who's ripping into this trade that Craig mm -hmm. just made, uh, which is, you know, what, does anyone really believe that a general manager ever has sat in that chair and made a deal that they didn't think was the best possible deal? Like he looked at all the options. He went back to teams twice, he told me, uh, to double check and see if there was any wiggle room, if they could match the offer that Dallas was giving them. Nobody could. So they went with the best deal possible. And I, I think just going back to that too, the risk of injury with Tanev, we know. I've heard you talk about it on your show. It's a it's a constant conversation here. Oh yeah, you know, load management. Yep. Should we be resting this guy? He's you know, it's he's just plays such a warrior like game. Should they rest him? And I think that that ultimately, as he got closer and he was hoping for a first rounder, I think he just balanced the fact that you're also weighing the possibility of an injury. We like the deal we have on the table. Let's go ahead and take it right now because if he gets hurt, we get nothing. I'll be honest with you, Eric. I thought that after the Jake Gensel injury and the Pittsburgh Penguins dodged a yeah. major bullet with that one, I thought that would send chill around the NHL. And I know it's distasteful for some, and fans pay a lot of money for tickets, and you want to see the full team. I was really wondering if you know teams that have players that obviously are going to get dealt, you know, started at least entertaining the idea of starting to sit those players down, yeah. even if they had as many as, I guess at the time, like six or seven games remaining until a trade deadline. I, I thought that chill was going to be there. I really did. Well, interesting. Yes. And, and 
Craig told me last night that they never thought once about sitting Chris Tanev. Isn't that interesting? The whole city, the whole hockey world's wondering if they're going to sit him at some point. And he said, no, as long as he was here, Chris Tanev is not going to accept being a healthy scratch, uh, you know, for the purposes of protecting him. Uh, that's just who he is. And he also said he thought it would be a bad message to the dressing room if you had a, a player who can help you win on a nightly basis and you're in the middle of a, a you know, the fringes of a playoff race. Uh, he thought that was a tough message to the room. And, you know, I said, well, in that vein, what, what sort of message does this trade send to your room right now? Because this hurts. This, you know, Chris told me he's, he's heading down to the Dome to say goodbye to the guys. And this is gutting for this team. Uh, but yeah. this is a business. And every guy in that room is a big boy and understands that this was A, going to happen, and B, needs to happen for this organization to move forward. Yeah. Um, w- w- one final thought here, and whether it's um... – you know, you look at, at Greshnikov and you look at uh, Hunter Brustevich um, from the uh, from the Kitchener Rangers as well. It does very much look here. I mean, even to the, the untrained eye, like very much and not so quietly either. Craig Conroy is trying to redo the defense for the future here. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you have to because you're about to lose, you know, Noah Hannafin as well. So you lose one of the best pairings in the National Hockey League. Yes, Oliver Shillington moves up and slots as a really good number three, and there's no question he'll sign with the Flames as a UFA, you know, anytime soon now. Uh, so there's your your yeah. base three. You got Uyghur, Anderson, and Shillington, which I think a lot of teams would say, yeah, that's that's a darn good start. It's how they fill in the bottom three mm-hmm. uh, that's going to be so fascinating. And uh, this is this is the effort they're trying to make here. They've got some youngsters, uh, Jeremy Poirier, that they really like. They, they have a couple of youngsters they really yep. are high on in the organization, but they're not coming up tomorrow or the next week. They're still a project. And so, yeah, you're just stocking yeah. the, the shelves right now. And, yeah. Was there not some talk that Poirier might have been ready for this season, or was that just wishful thinking? Uh, Poirier would have been ready this season, but he had an injury uh, that – cost him what i think three months he had a skate cut that um that was you know kept him out for three months so he just returned i think last week and there'll be no question about it i think you'll see him up with the big club for some auditions this year for sure yeah i I was i was saying more like off off the beginning of the season like there was i remember in in the off season there was like i wonder if poirier can can make the calgary flames this year depending on what 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 conroy what con what decisions conroy made was that not at least a conversation in the off season I think so, but you know they went into the season with a pretty deep defensive roster, and he was going to have to really wow them in in the preseason. And he's got, you know, it's very well documented. He's a player who they need to be a better defensive player yeah. before he gets to the next step. So he needs to prove at the AHL level that he can be a great defender. He's an incredible power play specialist. He's an incredible mm-hmm. offensive mind, and they're very excited about him uh, playing that role when he gets here. But he has to prove he can play at both ends first. For sure. Uh, Eric, thanks so much. And listen, I know you're super packed right now. Thanks for parking 20 minutes for me today. I really appreciate it. We'll catch up soon. Great job uh, covering this at, uh, at .ca last night as well. Great, great work as always. Appreciate it, my man. I always have time for you. Call anytime. I have a feeling we'll be talking again soon. <laughs> yeah, maybe, I don't know, uh, 15, 20 minutes. Keep your <laughs> keep your calendar free. We'll see if, if Craig Conroy can't make it at the bottom of the hour. I think we know why. Uh, thanks, bud. We'll talk soon. <laughs> Yeah, operator standing by. Cheers.
Yeah, exactly. Time Life Operators. Uh, there he is, Eric Francis from uh, Sportsnet covering the Calgary Flames. You can read his latest uh, on the trade with comments from Craig Conroy, who you will hear from in a couple of moments. Uh, that is available at our website. Okay, a couple of more things before we get to the bottom of the hour. And don't forget, Elliot stops by at the top of hour two. He's at the Arizona Toronto Skate today. Um, there's a couple of things from last night that I wanted to catch up on, too. I had mentioned with the, uh, the Boston Bruins, you know, it sounds like the Boston Bruins are exploring the goalie market around Linus Allmark, let's just say, you know, on the, on the podcast that uh, they came out Monday morning, one of the things that we talked about, you know, I had wondered whether what was once considered an area of strength for the Boston Bruins, and that is the net mining position. Now the Bruins may look at and say, yeah, it's an area of strength, but now it's turned into an area of luxury. And considering we have a couple of holes to fill here, uh, we might not be able to afford that luxury any longer. So, if UC Saros is no longer available, as long as Nashville is in a playoff spot and continue their playoff push, and the wild card still being Jacob Markstrom, and is he available? Is he not available? What's the return going to be? I do wonder how close to the front of the line the Boston Bruins can push themselves uh, with someone like Linus Allmark. They do believe they can sign and have a desire to sign long-term Jeremy Swayman. So I wonder if... You know, the Boston Bruins uh, very much get frisky in the goalie market in advance of the trade deadline. Also, sticking with the Boston Bruins, it sounds very much like there is, and again, I don't know what the level of the interest is or whether it is just a manager doing his job as a manager, uh, but it sounds as if there's uh, some interest in Sean Walker from the Philadelphia Flyers. Speaking of the Philadelphia Flyers, a quick note this morning coming out of the Flyers, uh, Jamie Drysdale, no surprise, um, placed on IR. Uh, Ronnie Adderd called up from Lehigh Valley. Cal Peterson sent to Lehigh. Felix Sandstrom gets called up. Uh, Also yesterday, just as we went off the air, there was a PWHL press conference uh, with Jana Hefford and Stan Kasten. And they unveiled uh, a couple of things for their playoff format, and one is just delicious. And listen, I know you've heard me bark about it for a number of years, either here or on the podcast. Uh, So the way the PWHL format is going to work for the six teams, the top four qualify for the postseason. But here's where it gets interesting. And, I, man, I really wish the NHL would go this route. It would be so juicy and create instant storylines. But they're not going to do it. First place team chooses who they play in the opening round between teams three and four. The second-place team will have their home ice protected. So you finish first in the PWHL. You choose who you face in the opening round. Also, uh, for the PWHL draft, the way they're working it is, and again, like these are things that I hope the NHL pays attention to and says, okay, this is working here. How would it work in our league? Uh, this used to be, by the way, what the AHL used to do. Things like this used to almost be, I don't want to say experimental leagues, so it almost sounds frivolous, but the American Hockey League used to be where you tried different things, different innovations. And if they worked, the NHL adopted them. And if they didn't work, well, you moved on and went right back to what you're doing before. So the other innovation here is uh, for purposes of the draft, whichever team is eliminated from playoff contention first, they start accruing points. Essentially, it's a second season, but instead of winning a championship, you win first overall pick. So you start accruing points, and whomever, after they've been eliminated from the draft, so this is between two teams, five and six, whoever has the most points once they've been eliminated, they win the first overall 
draft pick. Creative way, very creative way to dissuade tanking. Okay, uh, that's a few things. Um, also, it uh, does not sound at all like the Minnesota Wild will trade Mark Andre Fleury, no matter where they are, uh, no matter where they are in their chase for a playoff spot. Mark Andre Fleury going nowhere. So take another goalie off the board. All right, we'll hit a break. Uh, coming up in hour two, Elliot Friedman stops by to kick off hour two. But joining me in a couple of moments, made headlines yesterday uh, with his colleague in Dallas, Jim Nell. That is Craig Conroy, the general manager of the Calgary Flames, commenting on the Chris Tanev deal and what he could have up his sleeve next. Spoiler, a Noah Hannafin deal. That's coming up in moments. Merrick Show continues across the Sportsnet Radio Network, simulcast on Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your podcasts. Back in a moment. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Okay, welcome back to the program. Standing by for Flames General Manager Craig Conroy. I want to thank um, Eric Francis for stopping by to get us all warmed up on what is the topic of the day, and that is the Chris Tanev deal from last night. He's now a member of the Dallas Stars. Artem Grushnikov going the other way along with the second-round pick, a conditional third as well. Um, speaking of defensemen, Luke Fox just uh, tweeting this one out from the Maple Leaf skate. Um, Matt Dumba. Defenseman who's on an expiring contract as well, speaking of hostility. Matt Dumba says, yes, the Toronto Maple Leafs were one of several teams that expressed interest in him during free agency, that he had already owned an investment home in Arizona, played into his decision to sign with the Coyotes. You know, Arizona's got a couple of, you know, really interesting players that are on expiring contracts, and they have another one that I just can't help wondering about. Now, it's someone that does have some term, and depending on the team and depending on your needs, may be, interested, may be interesting or may not be. But we'll park that conversation because we want to spend as much time with Craig Conroy as we can. He's the general manager of the Calgary Flames, making the big deal last night with the Dallas Stars. Craig Conroy joins me now. Craig, how are you today? Thanks so much for doing this. Good, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. Uh, the, the pleasure is mine. Um, listen, I, I am curious about, I think we're always curious about, you know, the nature of a deal and how decisions get made and how prices get set. Um, with with regards to the, the TANF deal specifically, how, like, do you have an idea of what you're looking for first and then go to market and see if you can find it? Or through various conversations with managers, does the price sort of emerge? How did this one work? Yeah, I, I think the price emerged. Obviously, you have something set in your mind, and and you're you're trying to get uh, maximum value for every deal you do. So you have something in your mind, and then you start talking to teams. And as you you work through teams, you see where their comfort level is, and and even right down to to the very end, you you know you're you have a price set, and you're asking, and and. Mm-hmm. Then, then in the end, you say, okay, what's the best deal for the Calgary Flames and what makes the most sense? And, and that's where we felt like this, this deal ended up making the most sense for the Calgary Flames to be able to get a young prospect that we like, a second-round pick, and a, a possibility mm-hmm. of, a, of a conditional third if, if they go to the finals. So, you know, you're, you're, you're just you're gauging what's out there. And, and you know, may, 
you don't you don't know if you wait until the end you don't know you just don't know but you know you you push teams yeah. as far as you feel like you could push and then move forward you know one of the things that we've uh, we've discussed numerous times and listen you've you've heard you've heard it all whether it's you know radio podcast television one of the things about Chris Tanev is you know he's always one one block shot away uh, from not being available um you know I, I had wondered after the Jake Gensel injury uh, how much that would send a chill through managers who are, are looking to get things done um and we were always curious about the timing of a deal and, and why it happens when um was that any part of a, a motivating factor here and getting this this deal done, you know, well in advance of trade deadline, just the way that Chris plays? Well, I mean, you're always, you know, he's a warrior. He's going to do whatever it takes, so there's always that risk. And, you know, people probably question, should I have sat him out earlier? Should, you know, but for me, if Chris Tannen's down in that locker room, uh, he wants to help our team win. And our and our guys have been playing hard. And, and to, you know, we won the last four games in a row. So if he was if he was on our team, he was going to be in there. And but you're right, there, there's always that risk. I saw I saw Gensel go down, and you know there's uh, there is a concern. But for us, it was just trying to figure out the the best deal and and when it made the most sense for us. And you know it just felt like this was the right time to to, to move forward with it. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think? And I am always always curious as well. You know when a deal gets done, do you think this? same deal either with Dallas or someone else still would have been there next Friday or in your mind, listen, this was the price we had Dallas met it. We do our deal. Now, how was this one for you? Like, did it, did it have to get done last night or could you have waited? Do you think, and maybe shopped it around a little bit? Uh, I think, I think Dallas, you know, Dallas stepped up and, and came to terms with what we felt very comfortable with. And I think just to, to kind of, hold them for another who I don't know you know I guess that's the the million dollar question is is would they have still been there in a week from now maybe and maybe they found someone Mm -hmm. else you know so when when we felt comfortable with the deal we we decided let's 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 move forward with it so yeah there's a lot of a lot of speculation so I really can't even you know discuss that yeah for um for Calgary Flames fans, uh, well, for hockey fans in general who may not have seen uh, Artem Grushnikov, uh, you know, aren't, didn't follow the Ontario Hockey League in Hamilton or haven't seen him in AHL Texas, uh, what are you getting? You know, I think you're getting a, a young defensive defenseman that kills penalties, block shots, uh, simple puck mover. Uh, he's actually got he's got some uh, he, he's for a 20 year old in the American League. You know, you watch the games. He has some big hits, so he's he's a strong twenty-year-old, oh, yeah. <laughs> and he's only going to get stronger. Like I was, I was a little surprised by yeah. some of the. Uh, he's got a great hip check. Uh, you know, talking to uh, Mark Savard, I guess in the OHL uh, playoffs in the finals, there he knocked out one of his best players with a great hip check, and you know he's a solid competitor, yep. and that's what you're looking for. So you know the numbers. If if you're just looking at numbers, that's not going to be his game. It, it won't be there. Uh, He's more of a a stay-home, simple puck-moving defensive defenseman. Um, you know, as as someone texted me last night, um, he has some goodness in him. Would you agree with that? (laughs) Yeah, some people have made that comparison. that would be great. You know, I, that would be great. I mean, everybody knows what Grudis <laughs> brings to the table. So I don't want to put those expectations on him, but he, they, you know, it's, you're not the first person right. to mention Gudis. So yeah, that would, that would, that would be nice, but I don't want to, I don't want to put too much pressure on the young guy. Sure. 
You know, it, it does. I was just talking to Eric Francis before he came on, and, you know, whether it's uh, Brustevich with the Kitchener Rangers or now Grishnikov with AHL Texas, um, you know, not exactly a secret here that you have your eyes on, you know, the future of the Calgary Flames blue line. Um, did it have to be a defenseman, a young defenseman coming back in this trade for Tanev? No, but, it you know, for me it was a young defenseman or a young, for, a young center center and, and forward, you know, we lost Elias and I think yeah. you're looking for centers and probably defense were the two areas that I was looking for when I was talking to, to teams, you know, so, you know, it didn't have to be a defenseman, but uh, it would have it had to either be a center or, or a defenseman coming back probably mm-hmm. made the most sense for it our is- situation with our, with what we have uh, in our, you know, our prospect pool. Is um, for any Noah Hannafin deal, then is it you know much like the draft philosophy of best combination of picks and players available, or is there a specific position you're looking for? You know, I'm I'm just right now I'm not going to get into that. That's you know we'll we'll see where everything goes. I just you know I did the the can of deal, and uh, you know we'll we'll see what happens in the next you know seven or eight days. You've got to go on a fishing trip here, Craig. You understand? <laughs> trying to, <laughs> trying to lure, lure, lure all this out of you here. Well, how would how would you describe them? Because this is interesting. You know, Chris. You know, you you moved Chris Tanev yesterday, so a lot of people are looking at this now and saying, "Okay, uh, I wonder if now this begins a run on defensemen." Um, you know, you have one Anaheim, Philadelphia, um, other teams. Certainly, we see Eric Johnson not at you know Buffalo Skate this morning. We'll see what happens there. Like, do you get the feeling? I mean, if we sort of try to read the marketplace here, that this might be the beginning of a little bit of run on blue liners? Yeah, you know, I'm not sure. But, I mean, I think when we did the Hannafin deal, you saw, um, you know, Monaghan move right after. So it possibly could or, you know, it just, yeah, it's a, it's a hard read for me. Everyone's kind of doing their own deals and doing what's best for their team. So it could, but it yeah. also could not do anything. And, and we could be waiting, uh, you know, longer. Uh, this is your first uh, trade deadline in the big chair. You've been part of numerous trade deadlines before. Um, is anybody? Are there any pirates? You know, Berkey would always tell me, you know, you got you're a new general manager. You got to walk watch out for the pirates. There's always pirates looking to look at looking to fleece you. Um, are there still pirates around, Craig? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think you know everybody's been uh, professional and good, and you know you you kind of have what you your hope you want to get, and you know some people maybe are offering a lot less, and it just you know, just doesn't make sense. Maybe it makes sense to them, but it didn't make sense to me. So, you know, there's definitely uh, some lower offers that, that I don't know if you want to call it pirate, but definitely uh, just didn't make sense at the time. Yeah. How would you describe the, uh, the, when the, when the, the trade chatter started to, to pick up, you know, we've, uh, you know, we're, we're sort of used to a lot of trades getting done, you know, well in advance of the, of the trade deadline. Uh, I'm assuming things have picked up here. We are, you know, Thursday, February 29th, just after, or just before one o'clock Eastern. I'm sure the trade chatter right now is a lot different than it was two weeks ago or, or certainly a month ago. When did things start to start to really pick up? You know, I think probably, uh, after the all-star game, uh, you know, you, you just have more conversations. You talk to teams, you see where people are at, you know, what, what they're, they're kind of thinking. And, you know, it'll probably just continue to be the same right, right till the, to the very end on the eighth. Mm-hmm. 
What is um what is Jim Nill like to deal with as someone you're you're doing a deal like listen he's been, he's been at this for for a long time he's a veteran you know general manager of the year what's it like to do a deal with Jim Nill? Very professional, very uh, you know it was uh, it was a pleasure to do a deal with him and you know it was fun to, for me on my side being uh, a new general manager to see how he handles himself how he goes through the process and uh, you know I really appreciate you know, how we kind of work through it together. And it, 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 I think each deal you do, you see how every general manager does it. And, you know, you take a little bit back from them. But he was, you know, he was a pleasure to do the deal with and, and very, uh, you know, it, it's one where you're like, okay, you, you learn a lot from him. So he's been doing this a long time and right. I, I respect Jim, have a lot of respect for Jim. Should mention also New Jersey Devils uh, part of this one retaining twenty five percent and uh, and surrendering the goaltender to the Dallas Stars. Last question for you on this one, and we'll we'll let you get on with what will be a very busy day again. Um, what was the most difficult part of this deal? Like, was there one thing that you and Nin, you and Nil really fought over? Oh, you know, I maybe he tried to tailor this part too much, or maybe I didn't want to surrender this player. Was there was there one? element of this trade that was the most difficult for you two to get together on well i think i think he was very upfront with you know obviously there's other players in in the the prospect pool that you're looking to see gauge if if there's an opportunity to to get yeah. one of those players and i think you know he was he was pretty straightforward from the beginning there was a few players that uh, just weren't going to be in a deal like this so you know he laid it out from his side and you know obviously you're going to ask for mm-hmm. certain players and see where you're at and then uh, you know obviously you're, you're talking to your scouts amateur pro and 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 find out a player that made uh, was the right fit for us and I think uh, you know mm-hmm. Jim really liked Artem and probably didn't want to do it and after you know going back and forth for a while he uh, he said you know okay if I put him in would this be something we could would this move it forward a little bit so that's kind of the way it went but no he was very uh, you know good to deal with and up front when the players he would move mm-hmm. and the players he wouldn't move in a, in a deal like this um, this has been great, uh, Craig. Congratulations on the uh, on on the trade. I know it's uh, it's tough to way to walk to, tough to walk away to, uh, from someone like uh, like Chris Tanev. Uh, I know it's difficult, um, but listen, I I really like Rushnikov, uh, and I think anyone who's watched him play, and if you're a Calgary Flames fan, you should probably be excited, even though he's not going to step into the lineup right away. Um, probably still more time in the American Hockey League. We'll see. But I think uh, I think you did a nice bit of business here for your Calgary Flames. Thanks so much for stopping by. Always appreciate your time. Thanks for having me on, Jeff. Have a great day. Craig Conroy is the general manager of the uh, Calgary Flames. Yesterday pulling the trigger uh, on the Chris Tanev deal. Tanev now a member of the Dallas Stars. We'll talk to Brian Ray of the broadcast crew in uh, in Dallas coming up an hour or two about this and get Elliot Friedman's thoughts at the top of the hour as well. One thing... Um, that we should point out as well. You know, there's always been, you know, a, a lot of talk about how the Dallas Stars have, you know, the Dallas Stars have been able to do, I don't even want to call it a rebuild because it was never really a rebuild. They've just added quality players to their lineup year in and year out. And this really is a tip of the cap to the uh, the Joe McDonnells um, of, of the world. Like the, the way that this team has has drafted and has developed. Rich Peverly gets a, a big, uh, a, a big um, pat on the back, I think, for this one as well. A couple of things here. What Craig was referring to is the number of prospects that are hands-off for the Dallas Stars. And you see one in the lineup right now, and that's Logan Stankov. He's got two goals in three games. 
All five foot eight of them scores goals. Anyone listening in Kamloops, right? Anyone listening, in, you know, in the the follows the Western Hockey League knows exactly what I'm talking about. Maverick Bork might be the top young player in the American Hockey League. Um, he's hands off right now. He's going to be a Dallas star sooner or later. And then there's a defenseman they drafted in the first round a couple of years ago by the name of Leon Bichel, who is uh, right now playing in Sweden, uh, started the year AHL Texas, and then went back to Sweden uh, on the advice of his agent, I believe. Um, he's hands off as well. Like there's another defenseman coming here for the Dallas Stars, which probably made it a little bit easier to, to deal with Grushnikov. But this is a team that consistently draft in and draft out, pulls out diamonds. And one of the things that you look at from last night with this trade is how did they make Grushnikov available? How did they get him in the first place? And this all goes back to the 2021 draft when Jim Nill made a deal with Steve Eiserman of the Detroit Red Wings to flip first-round picks and pick up a second in the process as well. Sometimes we look at these trades and say, why are they doing that? What's the big whoop? Well, these are lottery tickets. And for whatever other for whatever reason, either it's the Dallas Stars just have better scouts, better development, I don't know. But generally, these things always work out for the Dallas Stars. So in that draft, they flip first-round picks, Detroit drafting higher. They took Sebastian Cosa, the netminder. Don't forget, this was at the time where, you know, goofballs like me were saying, if I'm Steve Eisenman, I'm using all my picks on goaltenders because we have none in the system. And that was true. And with the flip of first-rounders, the Dallas Stars picked up 23rd, Wyatt Johnson. Pretty good player, right? Pretty good player. Sebastian Costa went 15th. And then with the second round pick they got, 48th overall, they selected Artem Grushnikov, who they've now turned into Chris Tanev for their playoff run. And just as a little bit of trivia for you, who did they take one pick before Grushnikov? 47th overall, Logan Stankoven, who you're now seeing starring for the Dallas Stars and filling the net and becoming a cult hero in the process. The next two young stars coming up for Dallas, Maverick Bork, Leon Bichelle. This is a team, folks, that's going to be good for a long time. This is a team that's going to have some salaries coming off the books, and they're going to have some cap space to play with sooner than later. And, oh, yeah, they may win the Stanley Cup this year and have that in their hip pocket even before that next generation of Dallas Stars team Arrives, which is going to feature a lot of familiar names that you see right now, whether it's Ottinger, whether it's Haskinen, whether it's Robertson, whether it's Hins, and the aforementioned Wyatt Johnson, and players like Logan Stankoven, Maverick Bork, and Leon Bichelle. It's a really impressive bit of business here that the Dallas Stars have been able to pull off. And let's not forget, it was only a few years ago that it sounded like everybody was getting fired. <laughs> Everybody was getting fired. Everybody was getting traded. What a disappointment. Everything must go. And ownership, rightfully so, didn't do anything. They just left it and left everybody there to do their job. And I got to say, there's a reason that 
you know, recently Jim Nell was named the general manager of the year. The way that this team is able to play both the short and long game at the exact same time, I don't think I would be overstating it if I said it's a masterclass at how to do it. Don't sleep on the stars. I know right now they're going through a little speed wobble, one, three, and one in their last five. This is a team that could win the Stanley Cup. And the tandem deal from last night just brought them one step closer. Time now for Line Change, presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local Folks. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins facing off against the Seattle Kraken tonight. Kraken minus one and a half. Both teams sit in sixth place in their respective divisions. A total has gone over in four of Seattle's last five games. Seattle are four and two straight up in their last six. The total has gone under in four of Seattle's last five games against Pittsburgh. The total has gone under in 11 of Pittsburgh's last 16 games. Pittsburgh, four and two straight up in their last six. The Penguins are 5-1 and one straight up in their last six games played on a Thursday. So why is this one intriguing? Well, the Pittsburgh Penguins continue their march. Or should I say Sidney Crosby continues to put the Pittsburgh Penguins on his back and try to march towards the playoffs here? I know it's a tough one. I know this is a large mountain and it is steep. If Sidney Crosby can pull this off, Never mind just getting him into the playoffs. You might want to start thinking about polishing up your vote for Sidney Crosby for the Hart Trophy. And what's at stake for the Kraken here? They either go 3-1 and one on this little mini four-game stand or 2-2. Two and two. One way makes Ron Francis's decisions whether they're going to go for it or trade everybody off easier. The other makes it more complicated. That was Line Change, presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sportsbook, Bet Local. Don't forget, there are 12 games on the go around the NHL this evening, only two yesterday. Oilers over the St. Louis Blues. Is that the Blues season? Is that it? They done now? Doug Armstrong start trading? And also, the New York Rangers beating the Columbus Blue Jackets. And no, Matt Rempe didn't fight. Sorry to disappoint, disappoint all of you. But have you seen his left eye lately? Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts in Hockey Net in Canada kicks off Hour 2 across the Sportsnet Radio Network, Sportsnet 360, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be right back. The best Blue Jays show out there, period. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the program. Don't forget uh, tonight on uh, Sportsnet Ontario, you can see the Toronto Maple Leafs facing off against the Arizona Coyotes. Busy schedule around the NHL this evening. 12 games after only two yesterday. Uh, Also on Sportsnet tonight, the Vegas Golden Knights face off against the Boston Bruins. That's on East, Pacific, and West. Starting at 7 o'clock Eastern. I mentioned the uh, Coyotes and the Maple Leafs on Sportsnet Ontario. At 7 o'clock Eastern later, it's the Pittsburgh Penguins facing off against the Seattle Kraken. Uh, Who are the Seattle Kraken? And can they do this again? Can they sneak into the playoffs? Uh, It's going to be tough. I ain't going to lie to you. Uh, Pittsburgh Penguins, they continue the uh, the task of climbing up one of the steepest mountains in hockey and trying to claw their way back into the playoff picture. At least Crosby is dragging them that direction. 
anyhow, you can watch that game on Sportsnet East, Ontario, and West. Um, if you're hoping to see Chris Tanev uh, as a member of the Dallas Stars, uh, you may have to wait a while. Uh, according to Jim Nell, uh, some visa immigration issues may keep him out of the Dallas Stars lineup until next Tuesday, but we shall see. Uh, here for comments on, uh, on everything Tanev and everything Dallas Star is uh, from Valley Sports Southwest, uh, analyst for the Dallas Stars and our good friend Brian Ray, who joins me now. Brian, how are you today? Jeff, good to talk to you, man. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. Like, listen, this was uh, this was an interesting bit of business last night by Craig Conroy and Jim Nail, and you were just there for the the Jim Nail press conference. And I mentioned that you know this isn't going to happen right away. We're not going to see Tandev in the in the green quite yet. Uh, do we have a a rough indication of when we may see Tandev on the right side of the Dallas Stars blue line? It sounds like it'll be that first game in San Jose. They, they've got a West Coast road trip next week. Jim Nail left the door open that it could be Saturday against San Jose here at American Airlines Center, but the, the level of confidence in his voice and his words was not very high. So I, I think uh, yeah. that Tuesday game that you mentioned will probably be the debut. You know, so there's something that I was mentioning off the top of the program today. When it comes to the Dallas Stars, we talk so much about the 2017 draft, and that was spectacular. Miro Haskinen and Robertson and Ottinger, and wow, look at what was you know set up for the future uh, with the Dallas Stars. But, you know, I look at this trade last night, and I look at Logan Stankhoven, and I can't help but go back to 2021 and that trade with the Detroit Red Wings where they picked up picks and flipped first-rounders, and Detroit took the goaltender, and I don't know, Jim Nill, Oshucks just moved down and grabbed. Wyatt Johnson, and then later on took Logan Stankoven, and one pick after that, he selected Artem Grabeshkov, who they ended up trading for uh, for Chris Tanov last night. This is a real, like, tidy bit of business we're seeing between Jim Nill, the amateur scouts, and also we should yeah. point out as well the pro scouting department too. Like, this is really kind of how it's like. Teams always talk about wanting to have all their different departments, you know, in harmony. Dallas is kind of really doing it here, Brian. Yeah, and whatever karma was built up in the piggy bank over Jim Nill's first few years as the GM, he probably cashed it in on that 2017 draft and that 21 draft you just mentioned. But when Jim Nill won yeah. the, the GM of the Year award last year, he immediately thanked his staff underneath him. And that's Joe McDonnell, who runs the scouting department. You know, Rich Peverly's in, in player personnel. Scott White and Mark Janko are his assistant GMs. And obviously all the scouts that teams employ so it uh it, it does take a village i think as the old cliche goes but yeah when you yeah. look at what they've hit on in in the first two rounds of drafts and even somebody like rope hints was a second round pick you know it's yeah there's a lot that they've made a lot out of and and i know the the immediate reaction on social media was maybe calgary didn't get enough of a return on the tanev trade but you look at some of the second-round picks that a team like Dallas has hit on, you can find talent in the second round of an NHL draft. Yeah, it's more difficult, and, and things do drop off a bit, but it not it doesn't necessarily turn into an abyss when you get to round two. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of talent out there. Jim Nill and his staff have certainly mined uh, some pretty good talent out of those rounds. And, yeah, that 21 draft, it, it continues to pay off, and – We'll see what happens with Dallas and Chris Tanev on their blue line and what ultimately happens this season and what will the ultimate payoff be for this team in the future.
Well, listen, like th- this is a team, as you all know, that believes, and, and I think rightfully so, even though they play in a really competitive division, this is a team that believes they can win the Stanley Cup. And this is a team yeah. that believes, and again, rightfully so, that their window is open for quite some time. And it's drafts like 2021 that keep that window open. Uh, thank you very much. Now, what what is it, though, about Tanev and this blue line specifically? Like, as, as we understand it, Brian, this was their number one target. Like, going into this trade deadline, they were looking to do something with a right-hand shot, D, and Tanev was the guy. Jim got the guy. Why Tanev? Well, he was he was near the top of their list, what feels like the middle of the season, based on our press conference with Jim Nill. But I, I think when you look at the Dallas Stars blue line as a whole, for us to cover the team locally, we've had a question mark on the blue line going back to the offseason. And it's not necessarily that we thought it was a problem, those of us that cover the team locally. They just weren't quite at the level of Vegas last year in that Western Conference final. And Jim Nill wanted to give Thomas Harley and Niels Lundqvist a fair amount of games in the NHL to make an internal step forward. Thomas Harley has done that. Niels Lundqvist has done that, but he's also dealing with a bit of an injury issue. He comes back tonight. But I think after what this team has done, Jim looked at that blue line and thought, okay, that's an area that I can thicken up and that I can upgrade. And look, when you're going to go for the Stanley Cup mm-hmm. playoffs, you've seen it with previous champions – you can't do it with six and you can't do it with seven. You, you want to have eight. You really do. You want to have eight defensemen yep. you can lead on. So Chris Dana, Chris Tanev makes him that gives him that eighth defenseman on the roster. I think when you look at their blue line, they don't really have Jeff that meat and potatoes defenseman. Essel and Dell and Yanni Hockenpah, mm-hmm. they've been that. They're they're two of the busiest penalty killers in the NHL. But are you going to rely on just those two for possibly four rounds of a playoff run if they're going to get to a Stanley Cup yeah. final and expect them to survive going through a run like that? That That's a difficult ask. So adding an element like Chris Tanev, who does that at such a high level. And then the third thing for me, look at some of the players that Dallas is going to have to deal with. You know, Rantanen, Nachushkin, Stone if he's healthy. Kopitar. I mean, all these players in the Western Conference, that is a front-of-the-net, four-foot radius bloodbath when you have to deal with players like that over the course of a playoff run. And adding somebody like Chris Tanev, that's a heck of a weapon to to bring to that battle. So I, I think he checks off a lot of boxes there. So that that's a really good point that you lead us into here, Brian. And the 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 reason I find that fascinating is like I agree with you. Like this is going to be a battle in yeah. front of the net. And as Vegas demonstrated, as Tampa demonstrated, as Colorado yeah. demonstrated, as St. Louis demonstrated, you win Stanley Cups uh, with big back ends. Now, I know that Hawk and Paws a really feared body checker. Like he that guy hits for keeps. Um, I don't know how he stays healthy. Maybe he's not healthy. I don't know. But this is a Dallas Stars team that has, you know, that's agile and mobile. What I do wonder about is, do they look to add hostile to that as well? Like, I really do wonder if Jim Nill's looking for someone with some hostility back there. Kind of a little bit of a dancing bear element uh, to the game. Can you see Nill going after that type of defender too? Well, I I asked Jim Nill what the next eight days were like for him, and he, he's not going to play his cards as to whether they're done or whether he's still shopping. I, I think Jim Nill, as he always is, 
He is monitoring what develops over the next eight days, and he was very quick to point out scenarios can change in the blink of an eye that can change how you monitor the market. So yep. he's certainly looking at what's going on out there. In terms of the, the hostile element that you bring up, um, mm-hmm. go back to the Minnesota series last year. That, that, that was as hostile of a yep. series as you would find, and the Dallas Stars did find a way to uh, more than survive that series. They thrived. Um, you know, I, I think that element of meanness or toughness compared to where it was 15 years ago in a playoff race, it might be a little bit different. I think for a team like Dallas, can they make the ice sticky in their own zone so players like a Chushkin or a McKinnon or a Shifley or a Cotter, one of those teams they might see in the first two rounds, make it difficult to get to the middle of the ice. That's something that Vegas did so well against Dallas last year. It, it, it's not a hostile True. performance. It's how sticky and quicksand can you make that ice in your own zone for the opposing team? Uh, in terms of hostility, they seem to do all right against Minnesota. And Pete DeBoer is a team that or has said plenty of times, if you put them on the power play, their job is to take advantage and make you pay. So if teams want to get hostile and risk power play opportunities against the Stars, that's a scenario he's willing to take. He was willing to do it against Minnesota, and it clearly paid off. We'll see what things look like when the playoffs come around this year. All right, uh, I got to ask you about Stankoven. Uh, all five <laughs> foot eight of them, and everyone listening here who also follows the Western Hockey League, for all of our listeners and viewers out west, um, you know, listen, he's he's performed exceptionally well. Albeit it's only been a three game audition, but two goals and one assist uh, yep. for Stankoven, and, and playing on a really really nice line with with Johnston and Jamie Ben as well. Like you tend to turn heads. What were your expectations? of Logan Stankoven. And again, I know it's only three games, but you know, him and Bork tearing up, tearing up the, 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 uh, the American hockey league showing that they're knocking on the door for the NHL. What, what do we make of Logan Stankoven in the NHL so far? Well, Hey, he's a point per game player in the NHL. So hold off on the Calder ballots is, is the joke we're making down here. It's in, yeah. in, in, in terms of, in, in terms of expectations, he, he has done everything that you can ask at the American hockey league level. And, he has certainly shown in three games that he, he looks like he belongs and, and he's going to be a good NHL player. Um, he, the thing that I want to see out of him is, okay, you look good for three games. What about the next 21? And can you find a way to consistently bring that element? And the, the word that we use down here is bulldog. I mean, he is a dog on a bone whenever the puck is in the offensive oh, yeah. zone. And it's, and it's, and, and the way the league is, you know, undersized players, five foot eight players, however you want to phrase it, th- there's windows for them to succeed now the way the league is. So he clearly has a shot. He clearly has hockey IQ and he clearly hunts the puck. I mean, absolutely hunts mm-hmm. the puck. Those are three phenomenal foundation elements to bring into an NHL career. Playing with good players is going to help him find those opportunities. And, and so for me, it's the consistency factor, as it is with any young player. Yeah. You know, you know it, it's interesting to me. Last week was a fascinating week in the NHL. We saw, you know, six foot eight or six foot seven Matt Rempe <laughs> distinguish himself. And we saw five foot eight. <laughs> we saw five foot eight little Logan Stankoven um, do the same. Um, Matt Rempe's become a cult hero in New York. Is Stankoven already on his way, albeit briefly here, to becoming a cult <laughs> hero amongst Dallas Stars fans? 
100%. And 24 hours after he made the debut, or the first game back after he made the debut in Carolina, we already saw the first custom-made Stan Coven jersey. So he was on the roster for 48 hours. Oh, yeah. And you, know the, and you know the merchandise shop doesn't have any jerseys in inventory. You can't turn them around that fast. But somebody went and mm-hmm. got the customized jersey made anyway. So the cult hero status is building. And you mentioned Matt Rempe. He, he was called up last week in when the Stars were in Madison Square Garden. He was kind of that emergency call-up yeah. if the Stars did. But I so badly wanted somebody to get a photo of him and Rempe just near each other in warm-ups <laughs> to have 6, 8, and 5. It would have been phenomenal. It would have been such a fantastic yeah. photo if they could have pulled it off. Uh, I'll, t- I'll tell you what. One of my favorite photographs from from last week is uh, is the goal celebration, and, and there's Matt Rempe with you know this. Dallas has a big team, and it really really stands out. It's like they're welcoming. It's like some junior kid just won a fantasy camp who's out there yes. with the Dallas Stars because you know it, that's kind of like what that photograph looked like here. Um, okay, but before I let you go, and listen, Brian, as always, thanks so much for your time. Um, how good is this team right now? Like if Jim Nill doesn't do anything else, and again, like Winnipeg's made their move. Dallas has made their move. We're waiting to see what Colorado does here in the Central. But as it stands right now, if Jim Nill doesn't do anything else, is this team, as constructed today, good enough to win the Stanley Cup? Do they believe they're good enough to win the Stanley Cup right now? They absolutely believe they're good enough to win the Stanley Cup. And and Matt Duchesne said that forthright. They're very confident in themselves this morning when we were talking to him about Tanev. Um, they're absolutely a contender, and, and they've been a contender all season long. I think there's probably seven to eight teams you can look at right now and say there's a really good reason why they can't win the Stanley Cup, and there might be one box that's unchecked that makes you scratch your head. For them, if, if they don't make any other moves moving forward, yeah, I mean, they're in a fight for first place in the Central Division right now, It's and it's been that way all season. Um, so we'll see where it, it pans out. Now, they've had some struggles as of late. They've had a really tough schedule against some top-end talent. The wins haven't been there. Uh, they were goalied in a couple of those games. But yep. we'll see how the last 20 games play out. But, yeah, I think they are one of seven teams in the NHL right now that has a rightful claim to say we can, we can win the Stanley Cup. They, they are in that conversation 100%. Don't disagree at all. Uh, Brian, thanks as always for stopping by. Uh, a really interesting 24 hours around Dallas. And again, I don't think Jim Nell is done. Uh, we'll see where that one goes. Uh, watch for you on television as always. Thanks, pal. We'll catch up soon. Good to talk to you guys. Enjoy the, last, the next eight days. Absolutely. Brian Ray is from the uh, broadcast crew with the uh, the Dallas Stars, one of the, uh, as he mentions, one of the uh, the top teams in the Western Conference and a team that can definitely uh, win the Stanley Cup. Ryan from Bally Sports Southwest, Dallas Stars hockey analyst. Uh, as I mentioned, 12 games on the go around the NHL this evening. Last night was kind of a quiet night around the league. The headlines were certainly dominated by a couple of things. One, uh, that tan of trade, so that's now done. And in some respects, uh, the defense market prices have been set along with the Chris Tanev trade. And one of the things that we wonder about is, if that's the price for Tanev, what's the price for... Sean Walker. Can the Flyers get a first? What's the price for Nick Sealer? What's the price for Matt Dumba? Etc. 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 What's the price for Jensen? What's the price for Edmondson? What's the price for Savard? Still a lot of defense. Labushkin with the Anaheim Ducks. I wonder about Labushkin in Dallas. 
See what happens there. Eric Johnson in Buffalo. Wonder how much yesterday's trade set the marketplace for subsequent deals that we will see in advance of NHL trade deadline, which is next Friday. Okay, thanks to everyone who took part in the show today. Uh, you just heard from Brian Ray uh, from the Dallas Stars broadcast crew. Uh, Elliot Friedman, who kicked off hour two, talking about, amongst other things, the situation with Elias Pettersson and the Vancouver Canucks. They may be talking, but are they any closer to coming to a deal? CAA and the Vancouver Canucks management. Craig Conroy, Eric Francis, thank you, thank you. David Sis, Lance Kennedy, Jen Rolnick, thank you, thank you, thank you. Program's back in 22 hours. Merrick Show across the Sportsnet Radio Network, Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm back tomorrow.